Hello and welcome to NLAB Talks. I'm your host Nurgül, the founder of NLAB Architectural Communications. Architecture is inspirational and so are the people behind it. We want to talk design culture, new projects and unique stories that have made it all possible. In this episode, NLAB Talks featuring Design Day, an international architecture and design conference took place in London on 30 October. This was a full-day conference addressing the future of cities and materials, fixing education as well as designing for the circular economy, and how to build a successful creative business. We have talked with high-profile speakers and asked their motivation behind their speeches. Enjoy the episode. Paolo Antonelli is an author, editor and creator. She is currently the senior curator of the Department of Architecture and Design at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. She gave a keynote lecture on the impact of her exhibition Broken Nature. Welcome Paolo, thank you. Actually it's a very inspiring talk and I'm really wondering what do you want that audience today took away from you? I would like people to get a sense of energy and um, and action. You know, that's all. I, I hope that I can inspire that because then everyone already has inside of them the seeds of what they want to do. So just hope that I'll propel them forward. What is your motivation behind the creation or Broken Nature's process? It really is about communication and I realized that in hindsight. See, I've studied architecture, but then I used so many different platforms to communicate. I was a journalist, I was a teacher, I'm curating exhibitions, but then I also look at documentary filmmakers. I mean, there are different ways to deliver a message and that's really what motivates me. And regarding the future, what are you optimistic about? I'm optimistic about the fact that there's at last awareness that people woke up and whenever there's awareness there's really a lot of creativity and a stimulus to think you know and imagine so that's what I'm looking forward to there's going to be a groundswell of uh, of activity and it's a great moment for architecture and design Arthur Mamamoni is an architect and director of Mamamoni Architects and specialist in digital fabrication and advanced bioplastics. Welcome Arthur, thank you for being us today, for this day. And actually, uh, what is your motivation of making things, especially in your point of view from architecture? <laughs> um, so I graduated in 2008 uh, from the AA and this is when the financial crisis happened. And it was very hard to find work and we were trained with technology at school. And I don't think any office really was kind of doing 3D printing or that sort of making uh, straight from design to the kind of output. So so the, the kind of uh, mixture of that meant that I started making my own printer. Um, and then I started working on code and how to send code straight to the printer with some friends. And so very quickly, I got into that world of, of kind of digital making. Um, and then slowly through going to Burning Man and making projects there, I became more aware of like the, the kind of reality of building fast and disassembling and assembling and, and so on. So this sort of two things converged into having this view of design as a more uh, sort of logistical thing in which you kind of think with material and you'd learn from materials and you learn from the machines you use. And actually it's a kind of a research based Oh, it's, it's, it's entirely upside down in a way. It's, uh, as for architects, we are always told like, oh, draw something and send it to a contractor. But because we use new materials, we use new um, fabrication technique, like we have to learn from these machines first before we even draw the first sketch, which is kind of confusing because we want to just, you know, architects are like, oh, my creation or whatever. And actually the printer is like, no, 
your creation is falling down, sir. So you have to be a bit humble and learn from the stuff that you will design with. Yeah, and actually in this talk today you mentioned about you are really believe in the innovation, like power of innovation. So what's your definition of innovation? So when you look at the curvature of like our consumption per inhabitant uh, in terms of CO2 emission, um, it's going it's going down like fast pace. Our innovative minds, our human kind of uh, intelligence and resilience means that slowly we're really sort of lowering our impact and with awareness with conferences like this one and 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 with people that take action really yes the governments can help but really as a designer as someone who is concerned about the issues of the earth how are you innovating and do you have the metrics to prove that your innovations are effective and that takes a real scientific mind it takes real research And it's really way beyond the sort of pointing fingers. It's really serious research. Worldwide architects, architecture students listening to all of your talks. It's a very, I think, wonderful day. So what do you want that an audience took away from you today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just tell them to question the materials they use. You know, architects have a tendency to go straight to the easy part, you know, mm -hmm. concrete, steel, Uh, and then with plastics, they just don't necessarily think, oh, where's my plastic coming from, you know? So I just, I just will ask them to kind of rethink what can they use and can they push their clients or teach their clients um, what could be better and can they make their clients pr proud to be helping? Yeah. And how do you measure that help? Because, the, you know, we say the, the road to hell is full of good intentions. Uh, be careful. Be careful when you switch to another material. Like... You know, there's no point in building in timber if you, you're in China and you make the timber come from all the way from Austria. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so, but maybe there is. There is maybe if you then teach how to do sustainable forestry. So what I mean is like have a holistic view on all these different uh, aspects of your practice. Where things come from? Where does it go? What is the immediate impact? What is the long-term impact? What's going to happen to your building in a couple of years? Um, yeah. And regarding the future, uh, lastly, what are you optimistic about? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm a very optimistic yeah. person. <laughs> I'm sure you figured this out. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reason I'm optimistic is because I, I see how innovative and how resourceful humans can be. And, and, and I know that we are slowly being so aware of things that we are taking action, all of us. I mean, today is a good proof of that. Um, when we discovered the hole in the ozone layer, we all congregated, all the government congregated, and had this, uh, uh, you know, they banned uh, CFC gas that, um, that created the hole in the ozone layer. I don't know how long it's been, like 20 years or something, and it's, it's over. There's, there's, you know, the hole might come back here and there, but we solved it as humans together. And I mean, that's really encouraging. That, I mean, to me, that's, that thing alone proves we can do something. But it takes all of us. Like really, you know, it's not enough to go in the street. Of course, go to the streets. But, but the thing further in terms of your practice, your work, what, how can you help with your own work? Naim Young is an architect who operates in the spaces between design, fiction and features. He is the founder of Tomorrow's Talks Today and runs the program on fiction and entertainment and sci-arc. He gave a keynote speech on how filmmaking techniques can help us imagine different urban features. Thank you for the lecture today and the insights that you, how you combine the film 
management sector to architecture. What did you plan today your uh, audience to take away as a core subject from your speech? So what I was trying to present today was a story that I call The Other Future. And I was trying to introduce to the audience the idea that fiction and speculation is a really powerful tool to explore alternative narratives and cultures that emerge around new technologies. So, so often in dominant media discourse, technology is either presented to us through this lens of a very solutionist view, like technology is going to solve all our problems, going to make our life better and greater, or it's presented through like deep, dark, black mirror dystopias. And really, these new technologies are kind of equal parts fear and wonder. They're They're, they're complex and they're nuanced. So we're trying to make work and make films that describe the, the, the more complex and intricate ways that technology actually enters into our world. So I was trying to get across this idea of using fiction as a way of prototyping those more unexpected implications of new technologies so that we might become kind of more prepared for them. Really regarding the future, do you uh, which part of it do you feel optimistic mostly? Um, uh, I'm actually really a deeply an optimist. It may not look like that from all the work that we do. Um, what I think is interesting is the the power of the network. You know, like the the same infrastructure that people talk about as being a system that will steal all our data and spy on us. The same system that allows drones to drop bombs on people across the other side of the world also can connect people and you see what happens with something like the global climate strike um, or you know forms of hashtag activism where the network gets mobilized at a scale that we've never seen before where you know the biggest gatherings of human bodies in all of human history have been organized through things like a Facebook page so I think there's really interesting potential in the network to start to um, create a form and a platform where people can act collectively um, with force that uh, has never been possible before. Benedict Hobson is the Disney's chief content officer and we asked him what was his personal highlight of today. I really enjoyed Liam Young's presentation. Um, he's a super interesting, super fascinating guy who's using his architecture training to do something very different. Um, he sells kind of like fictions. Uh, like he, he describes himself as a speculative architect, and he describes he, he creates kind of fictitious scenarios via filmmaking to kind of shed a light on our the current issues that we face in the society and what we might face in the future. And uh, yeah, super smart guy and. His presentation was like a 30-minute video, which he narrated like over live. Um, so yeah, I think that was a real highlight of the day. Very, very thought-provoking. From everything from where does the lithium for our batteries come to, uh, come from, yeah. all the way to uh, what's the future of like drone technology and, and how do we want these technologies to exist in our lives and our cities and our built environments. So. Rachel Armstrong is a professor of experimental architecture at Newcastle University. She is a pioneer of living architecture, an approach that seeks to give buildings some of the qualities of the natural systems. Related to the, your research, what is the essence? So my work is really looking at how we transform the impacts of cities 
on the planet. At the heart of that is, can we wean ourselves off fossil fuels as the substance that we lean on to uh, power modern civilization? So essentially, you know, what comes after fossil fuels? For the design days specifically, what do you expect audience to take away from your talk? You also talked about the ethical side of the future based on our decisions or how the future will see us as well. So I think the audience, I would like them to understand that we're looking at a new era of design. This is no longer the industrial era of design, but an ecological era. And there are a lot of fundamental shifts in our thinking, our practices, and the kinds of things that constitute design that are at stake at the moment. And, and I think they're changing. So the microbial world, for example, is one of those elements to a very complex picture which we're poorly equipped to deal with right now. Regarding the future and then how you define it, how you can be optimistic about that in which respect? I'm very optimistic about the future because I believe it is upon us to actually make the futures that we want. And I genuinely believe that the majority of people are good people and want a positive legacy for their children and their families and their friends that essentially it is our duty together to make the worlds we want to live in. And we are looking at a whole new range of tools that can help us do that. Patrick Schumacher is the principal at Zahadit Architects and founder of Design Research Unit at the Architecture Association. I want to ask in today's speech for, from yours, what do you want that audience took away from it? Well, first of all, that uh, education is m- and schools of architecture are more just the training grounds, but you actually an incredibly important resource for developing uh, the discipline forward. Yeah. Uh, that was the message number one. Message number two is also that to develop the discipline forward, the connection with a with a real world practice is important to guide and frame this research. So at the moment, what you have, and that's a relatively rare condition. So what I've grown up with in Germany, you have a kind of practice-led teaching, which was very pragmatic Uh and not very innovative, just the kind of training of a professional approach. That's quite boring. On the other side, you have the A model of an exploratory um, units, but oftentimes detached from practice and then not enough instrumentalized and also often leading to irrelevancy, to marginality. And it's the, the risks are relatively high of failure, let's say. And I want to, it's maybe a too tough word, but let's say uh, a marginal existence, which is quite risky for students with respect to their career, but also sad if these provocations are just that. So what I found uh, is really necessary is that combination of a practice framing Uh or um, being connected up with real-world issues which are also issues of practices but then let that be worked on uh, with an experimental studio at school where you have more time, energy and the ability to abstract from 
some of the pragmatic constraints to develop something really innovative which can, can be realized. So even if it takes five, ten years to come through as a real building, there's a path. And that path has been there uh, with uh, Zaha first and the A and then myself with the AA uh, uh, for, let's say, 30 years and it's been quite strong. I mentioned the A, but there's also other schools like the, the University of Applied Arts, maybe Columbia, Harvard, etc. But the A is the primary vehicle. But also the, the vehicle where where you see the problem of um, when it becomes too freewheeling and detached. So I want, uh, you know, an, an, a kind of directed experimentation. And that's something quite demanding, but it's also rewarding. The students will not be left on their own to, to, to come up with the, how they want to intervene in the discipline. That's pre-structured a very strong personality can still kind of find their own space in that and make space for themselves. But, but it's, it's something where we bring a lot of um, experience and agenda and we know it's the real world agenda because we've demonstrated that this, these, these uh, researches become realities like parametric urbanism becoming real, for instance, in Singapore, becoming real in, in Istanbul in places like this. On, on many of the other themes we've been working on at the DRL, that's the, the, the key message. Research and development in schools of architecture connected to practice. Darwink is an architect and founder of Design House Liberty and co-founder of Viva House. We are ending the design day and what do you want that audience took away from your speech? Um, I hope that what the audience took away, because they are a group of, you know, young designers looking to start their own company, is to not give up. It's so easy to give up because business is so difficult. It's so hard to do. You really have to believe in your vision and you literally have to shove it down people's throats. And rejection is opportunity. They have to remember that. Every time a door closes, another one opens, and it's literally trying to find those opportunities that make your business work. Yeah, and actually you are a very inspiring people, especially in the women of design, they're always asking questions about it. So what is your motivation, the main, maybe, the passion of design? Uh, it's a very good question. Because obviously when I started, my motivation wasn't money. It wasn't because I wanted to make a lot of money. But as, as a result, and I think it's kind of ironic right now, the only thing like taking care of me and supporting me and paying for all my travel and I have two flats in two different cities is actually my company. And I guess that's why I think motivation is just to do what you love and, and make it a business. Um, and I think that my motivation literally just comes from like excitement, you know, excitement, excitement, like people, energy, and even listening to my clients, meeting new people, it's all, it's very exciting to me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. See you next time.